Welcome to the People First Leaders Podcast. My name is Doug Utberg, Marine Corps veteran, founder CEO of ExpenseReviews.com, and I have absolutely nothing to sell you. The purpose of this commercial-free show is to honor the leaders who approach life as go-givers by putting their people and customer value first. Stick around until the end of the show, and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest in about 20 minutes. Let's go. We have Loki Coetzee with us today. And what we are going to be talking about is how technology supports the dreams of the doers. So Loki, he runs a what's called an IT managed services company, which basically means that they do the information technology for their clients. Like, like a lot of uh, managed services companies, he, they are Microsoft-based. You know, but basically, one of the things that they do is they help to take te- care of the technology part of their clients' businesses so that those business leaders, the doers, as we like to say, can really follow their dreams and achieve their purpose. So, Loki, tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us a little bit about how you get to that place. Awesome, Doug. Thanks for having me on the show and looking forward to it. Yes, that's a great question to kick off. Um, as you sort of introed, we're a technology firm and we really help companies resolve and get the best out of their technology. But our cause of that underpins in our true North Star is supporting the dreams of the doers. Yeah. And we get quite a lot of confused looks when we kick off with that. And, and it's really ingrained in our DNA and we've been doing it for many years. But what we've realized as our business have evolved and grown is if we really want to be successful, our business is people. And yeah. how do we engage people? How do we get them to really realize what's out there? And, and what we've seen is really creating a cause and the cause is people's dreams. Everybody's got dreams and how can we support it? We're not going to make it come alive and make it work for you, but how can we be part of that? And that cause really then goes into our people, but our clients as well in society and, and really bringing an umbrella of being together and helping each other achieve their dreams. Yeah, well, and you know, when I think about technology, there's a couple of different ways you can go as far as you know, kind of the tech impact on kind of that small medium business. One way is that if you get hit with something like a cyber attack, it can cripple your business. So, for example, you know, back when I was PMO director at uh, Lattice Semi, the chief information officer, one of the things that he told me about in a prior role he was in, I won't say the company, but they got hit with a ransomware attack. They paid but they still lost access to a whole bunch of their data and a whole bunch of their systems. And it took them like over a month to put everything back together. And they were a global logistics company. And so you think about it, right? If you're a global logistics company and you have key systems that are down for a month, just imagine the amount of chaos loss and lost revenue that creates. And so I think that's kind of technology from the defense perspective is help make sure that you are not subject do things like cyber attacks. But from a technology benefit perspective, one thing that tech can also do is it can help to accelerate and streamline your workflows. And it can also really help you to grow without needing to add as many people as you otherwise may need to, which is really important in the current escalating labor cost environment. That's such a valid point that you make. There's so many facets to it. And and what we've seen is Unfortunately, cybersecurity have exploded over the last mm-hmm. years. We've seen yeah. crazy numbers like 300% increasing in cyber attacks. And it is a very defensive mechanism that people have to play, but you have to be proactive. You can't be on the back foot. You have to put things in a roadmap into place to mature it and, and to your point around the transformation. 
businesses had to transform very, very quickly, um, especially with the pandemic, the collaboration, people working in different ways that we've never worked before. So there's so many facets to mm-hmm. sort of bringing all of that together. But if you look at it all, at the end of the day, what's the, the center point? It's people. People yep. have to enable these systems. And how do we support those people to find the change management, to work through all these things, um, to understand it? And and for us, we always see technology as just, it's a tool. It's really yeah. the people that we have to enable. It's the strategic side that's going to drive your business. And that's where we, we like to play is to really help people understand that side and we know we just need the systems to be working optimally and effectively and giving great output to, to yeah. the business. Well, and as I say, number one, absolutely. And number two, can you tell us a little bit about some of the places where you've seen client companies generate the most value from technology? Because you have certain things like, say, email, websites, you know, that's all table stakes now, right? You know, it isn't so much that that's a differentiator. It's more like if you don't have that in place, you're going to be so far behind everybody else that you'll struggle to keep up. But what have you seen kind of from the technology side that is a differentiator in 2023? That's a great question. There's, there's a lot of disruptive technology. Now, it comes back to the maturity of your organization and, and where you are. For some organizations, it's going from an on-premise to a cloud-type environment. Yeah. For some organizations, it's really around collaboration. And how do we take collaboration to that next level? And um, yes, we've got emails, we've got Word documents, we've got whatever that might be, but are we working together at the same pace and having the same content and information being combined and, and working together. And then if we, we really sort of move up the maturity stack, it's how does this influence my client? What's my client experience? What can I do to disrupt how my client is engaging with me and how can I yeah. create a better experience? And, and that thing starts bleeding into sort of understanding the customer journey mm-hmm. and do I have portals? How do I engage? And then putting AI on top of that, if we want to go to the next level to say, well, what's my client's perception of me and looking through AI to disseminate lots of information. So again, there's so many things. If we look at what's happened over the last three, four months, we've got chat GPT that's sort of come online and very disruptive, maybe a little bit new, but this is where we're heading. and, And maybe that's another year or two before it becomes really, really mainstream. So again, What we like to do is really understanding what's your business objectives, where are you going, what's that true north, and then we align technology that's going to equip you to achieve your true north, whatever that might be and and whatever your maturity might be. Yeah. Well, and because one of the things that I was thinking, because of course, like everybody else, I've seen the article saying, you know, forecast by 2025, 95% of all online content will be created by AI. And I'm like, well, right now you have a lot of online content that's read by AI as well. So the whole question is going to be, are you going to have AI creating content for AI to read? And then the big question is going to be, okay, considering that pretty much almost all of the big tech companies are driven by ad revenue, you know, Facebook, you know, Facebook is driven by ad revenue, Twitter, ad revenue, you know, Google ad revenue, you know, the, you know, almost all the major media companies, their only real source of monetization is ad revenue. And so now with the proliferation and growth of AI, how are they going to make sure that that ad revenue is not, that those views and impressions are not bots? Because, you know, I know that, you know, if, you know, if I'm looking at, at forking out, you know, say like, you know, 10 to $50 per thousand impressions in order to try to get engagement, 
I don't want that engagement to be from a bot. I want it to be from an actual person. And uh, at least it seems to me like that's going to be the real critical issue is going to be whether this freighters the ad revenue model that has basically propped up a lot of the big tech companies. And I think that's why they call it disruptive technology, because it's going to disrupt a lot of things. Um, It's really going to change the way we think about things. And and it's going to hit so many different facets from our life, from schools to, you know, are the kids really writing the documents or and the essays, or is it just from a bot? Um, So it's, there's a lot to go through and a lot to, to understand. So it can be enabler but it can also be destructive. And it's finding that balance around how do we use and consume it. Um, you're always going to have the bad actors, so we're going to have to become more proactive and, and train bots to pick up when it is sort of somebody yes. trying to use a bot. So there's a lot to under there that, that needs to be still resolved, but it's going to be interesting next two to three years, I think. Yeah, I think so. You know, because, of course, you know, as we all know, markets are dynamic. And so what will happen is, you know, you'll have, you know, AI start getting incorporated in certain parts of businesses, and then you'll have the fast followers and the slow followers. And if people follow too slowly, a lot of them will go out of business. And then you'll end up having an overcorrection, which is where people will over AI, and then everybody's business will start looking the same. And then being actually off AI will start turning into a differentiator. Because I think it was, it's the exact same thing that happened with like sales automation, email autoresponders is that. You know, I think in the early 2000s or so, there were people who just made tons of money from doing cheap Google ads, from getting people on the list, from just blasting them with messages. Now we all get a thousand emails every day and it, it's still effective, but it's not as effective as it was before. And so now there's been a kind of a resurgence in sort of more old school reach outs, which of course were previously thought to be like, oh yeah, that's not effective anymore. It's too expensive. Uh, whereas now it kind of ends up being one of the only ways to get attention. That's so, so true. And you see how technology transform and like sending a handwritten note maybe is more effective, but guess what? Now you've got bots writing these handwritten notes and it's actually not it. So again, it's how technology disrupt and how we as a society keep on moving forward and and really transforming how we engage. And I guess that's the beauty of society. We we're evolving um, and evolution is happening all around us with yeah. everything we're touching. So yeah, I think there's lots of change to be, to come. Yeah, well, and because of course the, the topic of the show is the psychotic vortex. So I think about, okay, how is it that this AI technology, how can we make sure that it's used for good and not evil? You know, I don't know that that's my decision, but I guess, you know, that's, you know, I'd like to think the, okay, what is the first do no harm, at least for me? Because, you know, I can't control everybody else, but I can control me. How do I make sure that I am using this technology ethically and not just trying to get an edge that will disadvantage other people in an unethical way? Yeah, and that's a very interesting topic. And there's actually professors out there sort of coming up with all these ways to really use AI ethically, and it can be used for bad actors and and in a bad way. But I think if we think of cybersecurity, it's going to come back to how you're going to protect yourself firstly, and then how you protect your organization and your culture and your business towards it. And there's going to be new disruptive tools that's going to come out to make you proactive in these things. So I think as we evolve, we'll see it's going to be built into our our technology and security stacks. Like you have a firewall in the old day, you had to put a firewall in your office space to make sure bad actors couldn't come through the ports. Uh We're going to get similar technology that's going to start looking for these AIs trying to come in, trying to look like a human. And so I think 
the technology will expand to really give us that proactive, um, preventative maintenance on AI. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and of course, you know, with as slow as the regulation of, of social media and media platforms has been, you know, I don't think you can necessarily count on government regulation. So it almost feels like this is going to kind of go into the economist realm, or I hope it goes into the realm that the economists talk about where you have self-regulating communities which is where, you know, without a governing body, either because it's not there or because it moves too slow. I think right now we're in the moves too slow yeah, phase. I think you're right. And that's where it's going to start. And, and they will catch up at, at the end. But I think we're going to pioneer it and they will adopt it and, and bring it over all and then become yeah. more of a governance perspective. But if we look at security and privacy laws, we are starting to see it becoming more prevalent and, and more enforced. Yeah. But it really started with the pioneering stage of bringing in and doing it there. Yeah. Well, and, you know, because like, for example, you know, I think about Facebook, right? You know, of course, when people know the amount of data that Facebook collects on you, it is extremely disturbing. And of course, when Facebook first got going, they handled all this data in a very sociopathic, psychopathic way. In other words, they showed no regard at all for, you know, for people as human beings. They were basically just treated as dollars. Data points. Wallets. Yeah, exactly. As data points to produce ad revenue. And I think there's been a backlash against that. And so I think that it's actually, it's that, you know, to me, it's really that effect that is going to be really, really important in kind of, as I would say, taming AI. We're kind of going a little ways off topic, but this is, I feel like this is a really relevant conversation just because the tech is moving so fast that it's always going to be multiple years in front of whatever regulatory bodies are, are in place. So that means that you can't, rely on regulation to be able to prevent tech from having destructive impacts. And so that means that the people who are involved in tech can no longer take a, well, that's not my problem. I'm just here to make money. If that mindset will necessarily take you into unethical and psychopathic activities. And so you know, to me, the, the thing that really needs to happen is I almost can't believe I'm saying this. This sounds a little woo-woo, but I, I feel like the ethics and consciousness of the players, both tech companies, tech users, and tech practitioners needs to go up. And because, you know, like for the longest time, right, you know, the ethos on Wall Street, and it's still like that today, is basically, what can I get away with? And what that mindset needs to shift to is, what's the right thing to do? And that's a hard shift to make. And I'm trying to do what I can. <laughs> I, I can only assume you're doing the same. But I'd love to get your thoughts on, well, number one, it's like, you know, do I need to just grow vegetables on a commune somewhere and try to get off the grid? Or do you think there's something to this? Maybe we I think there's add. something to it, Doug. And again, we're all accountable to what we know. And it's very, it's a, oh, but I didn't know this and therefore I'm not accountable. So I think the change management and the change within us needs to be very aware of what's coming. And and as a business leader myself, that the one thing that, that I hold close to my heart is I can make you aware of something. I can tell you the risk of something. But at the end of the day, you need to decide what risk am I willing to take. And for me, this is going to be a very simple and the same thing as what we're seeing in the security space. I can tell you, you need EDR, you need a SOC, you need X, Y, and Z. And I, and I can explain why and what's the business value and what's the risk. But you then as the individual need to Look at your risk. It's like buying insurance. When you're buying insurance, what do you want in your insurance policy? And for me, this is very similar. At the end of the day, I can give you the, the awareness and the training, but you need to make the decision of what are you willing to take. And over time, as governance comes in, 
you're not going to have a choice. But while we're waiting for governance, yeah. you as, as the individual or business will have to make that choice. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And the thing that I keep thinking about, right, you know, is that there are going to be some people who will exploit gaps in the system to basically generate a whole lot of money in semi-ethical to blithely unethical ways. And yeah, if we wait for the regulation to catch up with that, there will be a lot of bad actors who extract a tremendous amount of resources for a really long time. And so at least to me, I think it's really about creating that community effects to be using technology ethically, you know, because it's like, you know, I'm now with that said, I should say that I am a believer in business capitalism and profits. If what you are doing provides legitimate value, you should be able to sell it for more than it costs you to deliver. That's where profit comes from. And there's nothing wrong with profits. It's when you extract a lot of profits without doing anything of value or where the value you provide is less than the amount that you're extracting. That's where you end up having problems. That's where and, the system breaks down. And for me, the key word around all of that is balance. As long as we can maintain balance. Now, balance for you and balance for the next person is yeah. different. But I think the overriding art for me is if we can maintain balance, we're in a good place. Exactly. This is an excellent conversation. Okay, well, let's see. So let's keep the conversation rolling a little more. We've been on a little bit of an ethical tangent. Walk us through as far as kind of tactically, you know, say a lot of people who listen to the show, most have pretty small businesses, but some are working in, in larger enterprises. What are some of the big technology things that we should all be paying attention to and most importantly, implementing in order to create that competitive advantage in 2023 and beyond? From what I've seen in the industry, and I think it's a known fact as well, that whatever tooling you have today, you're only utilizing 20% of it. So really understanding what do I have in my stack and am I really utilizing that effectively and is it enabling my end user, i.e. my employees or my clients to get the best experience and the best value. I'd say that yeah. probably is the biggest tip I can give. And then on the flip side, just cybersecurity is, is a real thing today. A lot of companies from what we can see in here is I'm too small, they're never going to come after me. And if you start looking at the statistics, staggering how many small businesses have been attacked. Yeah. We do a risk assessment for clients uh, or potential clients for free. And one out of three, we get active breach where somebody is just waiting and lying there. So again, just the tip there is make sure you know where you are today with your cybersecurity. Do you have a cybersecurity insurance policy? Yeah. And have you taken some of the basic steps? Do you have multi-factor authentication for everybody? Not just one person, but everybody and for all your main things. So there's small, easy things that organizations can do that does not cost arm and leg because budget is always a problem. But yeah, I would say that would be the other big tip. Well, and, and I would say that it, when you're talking about things like your cyber hygiene, there's a couple of kind of really critical tests to ask. Like, for example, you say MFA, go, all right, well, can you access your network or key applications without having to put in a six-digit code or however many digit codes or without having to do some sort of external authentication? The answer is no. I mean, you know, and it may be that you have a token that lasts for a certain amount of days, but if the answer is no ever, that means you don't have MFA. You would say, okay, like, for example, if you're talking about, okay, firewall, do you pay for maintenance on your firewall? If the answer is no, you're probably at risk. Yes, <laughs> There's some pretty simple things that, that you can really look at to see whether you have some of your bases. 
And I think that's the biggest thing for me coming back to awareness. It's a lot of organizations yep. just not aware that these things exist and they have been ill-informed. Uh, my biggest thing is get somebody that you feel you can trust, that you can connect. I mean, if you don't have somebody internally that you can rely on, get a consultant or go and read up about it. That's, you know, the internet is there. It's free. Don't trust everything on the internet, but there's a lot of information that can help you. So I think, again, it is a real thing today. It's like, do you have insurance on your car? Yeah. Yes. Same thing for your business. This is a necessity today. Yeah, well, and because I think that was the real important thing to bear in mind with cyber insurance as well, is that, you know, just because you're insured, you know, what that means is if you have a cyber breach or event, then the insurance company will help you to recover. You're still going to have a very major business interruption yeah. and not everything is covered. There's usually some business interruption coverage, but it, depending on the severity of the breach, that may not all be covered. And, you know, particularly if, you know, if medical companies and financial companies tend to be at the highest risk of cyber breaches because they have a high amount of sensitive client data. So that means the cost of remediating those breaches escalates really quickly. Yes. And, and for the most part in those industries, they're normally pretty well aware because they've got IPA and a lot of other. Yeah, well, I was going to say with HIPAA and FINRA, they're both regulated and required to take, take a lot of precautions. So in those cases, we see better governance. But in the smaller companies is where we see the biggest gaps and, and some interesting gaps where they might have cybersecurity insurance. But in the policy, it states you need 2FA or multi-factor authentication or you need encryption or whatever it might be. And if you don't comply to those terms, we've seen some unfortunate stories where they did not have encryption or whatever yeah. the policy states, and then you're actually not covered. And so again, just making sure whatever you signed that you actually have that in your environment. Yes. And if not, yes. you're actually not covered and you're throwing money away. Mm -hmm. Precisely. And I think that's a really critical point too, is that there are usually a lot of clauses in these cyber policies to be able to say that you know, you're signing off that you have certain protocols in place. And if the cyber company can prove that you did not have those protocols in place, then your claim can very easily be denied. And because I know a lot of cyber companies are they're bleeding money right now because of how many breaches have been happening lately. And so there's almost certainly going to be an increased amount of security. 100%. And what we've seen is the terms have gone through the roof. In the beginning, it was three or four lines that you need to have. Yeah. Today, it's three or four pages of terms yes. of what you need to have implemented. So the goalposts have changed because if we've got a 300% increase in cybersecurity, the insurance companies can't keep up and they have to really make sure companies are taking the first steps in ensuring their own security. Got it. Now, it totally makes sense. All right. Well, Loki, uh, let me ask, uh, is there a question that I should have asked you, but didn't? I think just to the audience and just talking a little bit about our dreams program. And, and again, it's a core to our DNA. We're very proud of it. We've won numerous awards around the world for it. And um, we've been doing it for more than 10 years, but just the culture of your business and the culture of your people is so, so important. And what we've seen from our dreams program, and we've got dream coaches, we've got a dream manager that just manages this. And I think if you have engaged staff, it just has such a ripple effect to how they deliver and how their happiness is and then how that ripples back to the clients. Um, so for us, that's just being really a pillar and, and a keystone in our business. Got it. Got it. Outstanding. Well, hey, Loki, I guess our last thing is going to be let everybody know where they can learn a little more. You know, give out your website, if there's any social links that you want to uh, want to make sure to put out. And then, of course, we'll make sure to put it in the show notes. 
Great. Um, yes, you can reach out to us at nature.com or on LinkedIn under Nature. Welcome to Look Me Up there, Loki Kutsia, connected to Nature. We'd love to talk to you. At the moment, we're offering a free risk assessment. As we've been talking about cybersecurity, we do offer a free risk assessment. So if you want to know if, if you're relatively safe, more than welcome to give us a ring and, and we can help you. Beautiful, beautiful. All right. Well, hey, Loki, I really, really appreciate your time today. Awesome, Doug. Thanks for your time. It was really great being on the show. Excellent. Talk to you later. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening to the People First Leaders podcast. If you are a successful People First founder or CEO who would like to be on this show, please visit peoplefirstleaders.net forward slash guest. If this interview resonated, would you please share it on social media? Just take a quick screenshot on your phone and post it on your favorite social channel. Then make sure to tag me at Doug Value so I can give you and your business a shout out on a future episode. If you know somebody who'd be a great guest, please tag them on social and include the hashtag PeopleFirstLeaders. I really love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We're releasing new content and episodes all the time, so make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any new episodes. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show, and they mean a lot to me personally. And also, I would like to connect with you on social. My handle is at Doug Value, or you can just go to peoplefirstleaders.net where all of the links are posted. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.